Welcome back to episode two of Startup Mode. By the Launchpad. Welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome. This is Colin. This is Sam. And we are very excited to have a special guest with us this week, Brian Breslin, the director of the Launchpad. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. So um, we wanted to remind everybody at the top of the show to follow us on social media. Um, follow at the Launchpad on Twitter, at the Launchpad UM on Instagram, and find us on Facebook, uh, just the Launchpad. Um, so today's format for our episodes can be a little bit different. Usually we are uh, more conversational just with me and Sam and kind of yeah. delving into the topics that we want to. But today we're going to do a little bit more of a uh, interview prod or a format to um, kind of get Brian to tell us a little bit about himself and his background and some things that we can be uh, looking into. Brian, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What's your background? So what do you want to know? Where should I start? Let's start um, with your love of entrepreneurship. Where did it come from? So I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Um, I started selling candy as a eight-year-old to classmates in school. I sold comic books and baseball cards and all these things that I don't even know if those things exist anymore. <laughs> um, and then I started my first real business at um, age 14. Okay. So that was 1996. Wow. Yeah. I started. Old man. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite as old as you think I am, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> um, and so I started my first business building websites and stuff like that. And then I started an ad network in the early, in the mid nineties. It was the early ages of the internet and stuff. Um, and I was running this business out of my bedroom in my parents' house and pretending to be old enough to sign contracts and, wow. um, broker deals with between websites and things like that. Um, it worked out pretty well. I made a little bit of money, helped pay for my college. Um, and after college, I came back to Miami and uh, started up my uh, my next business, which was a software development company. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And when you were pursuing this, do you have any other influences like within your family that maybe were entrepreneurs? or? So my grandfather was a serial entrepreneur. Okay. He started at least five businesses. Okay. I think three of which did poorly. Um, two of which did really well for him, oh, okay. you know, uh, so the idea that I was going to become an entrepreneur terrified my mom because she saw all the ups and downs and all that. Uh, but I think it's in your blood. Yeah. I mean, my immediate family, my parents are both college professors, so okay. there's no entrepreneurial spirit in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, looking towards like the startup ecosystem in Miami, tell us a little bit about what you think the current state of that ecosystem is here. And then, you know, in the broader sense, the entire United States and some mm -hmm. things to look for when people are looking to start a business in this area. So I think a lot has changed over the last 13 or 14 years uh, that I've been involved in the ecosystem here in Miami, um, both the UM ecosystem and also the broader Miami ecosystem. It's getting a lot easier for people to get businesses off the ground than it was before. Uh, it's e a lot easier to get funding for those businesses. You know, we've got some interesting um, movement going on in that space here at the U, you know, with the Canes Angel Network um, launching very soon. And then we've also got a bunch of other things going on to help support existing businesses and help businesses scale going on in, in South Florida. So I think we're going to see some interesting companies pop up. Like we've already seen some big ones like Chewy and Magic Leap and things like that yeah. in the last few years. Um, but I think we're going to start seeing more and more companies that leverage the, the advantages we have here in Miami. I know you are a big influence here in South Florida because of your um, venture, Refresh Miami. Mm -hmm. um, what was the kind of premise behind starting something like that, and where have you seen it grown since you guys started? 
So Refresh Miami is the largest uh, startup community in the Southeast. Uh, it's a little bit over 11,000 people now. Mm -hmm. uh, but it started me hanging out with five other people in a Starbucks on Miami Beach. And like there the main premise for it was uh, I wanted to find my tribe. I wanted to find people who I could relate to and talk to about startups and um, get to n learn from, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, that's really what it was. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, find my... Uh, my peers right. right and like over the years it's grown and grown and the events now average two three hundred people a month wow. you know um and i think um i'm very proud of what it's uh, what it's accomplished and the influence it's had on growing the ecosystem right and so um i think it will hopefully continue to grow yeah, you know? uh, yeah. i'm more of an advisor to it now than an active day-to-day -day person but right. um I think it's also had a positive impact here at, at the U also. Right. Definitely so. And if anybody wanted to get involved in Refresh, how would they do that? Uh, so they should reach out to team at refreshmiami.com. Uh, we're always looking for interns, volunteers, um, you know, people to teach workshops or speakers for events and things like that or um, all sorts of activities and things like that we always need more help for. Very uh, cool. Help with. Awesome. So jumping back to a little bit of, a bit ago when you mentioned the Cane uh, Angel Network, you want to? Mm -hmm. We haven't really talked about that here on the podcast yet. Would you like mm -hmm. to highlight that for us and kind of tell us what that's going to be about and what's happening here? So the Cane's Angel Network is going to be a, a really interesting um, opportunity for UM uh, related businesses, right? And so it's one of the first of its kind in the United States. Uh, there's other schools that have similar programs, but the idea is that it's going to give an opportunity to alums and people tied to the university to be able to invest in university-related businesses, right? Um. And so uh, we're going to have a staff of, uh, of people here vetting the deals and uh, processing the deal flow and then passing them on to the member angels um, who are all high net worth individuals from the alumni community and, and a little bit beyond um, who will then be able to put in their own money into the companies. And that'll hopefully accelerate a lot of the, the growth that we're seeing in the, the UM startup ecosystem uh, and give people an, uh, an advantage of, you know, being able to invest in their peers and and everyone share in the growth yeah. of the ecosystem. Very cool. Now, is this going to be limited to any, like, business types in particular, or is it going to be open to pretty much anything? I don't know. I was shaking my head. <laughs> so, so this is a podcast and we're not videotaping. <laughs> uh, but no, so it's going to be open to any type of business. Um, I think the preference will be towards, like, high-scale businesses not necessarily mom and pop shops right. um, because at the end of the day the investors need to be able to get a return on their investment you know whether that's through an acquisition through an ipo through an exit um, or through dividends or whatnot right um, but angel investing has sort of a set type of companies that are, it favors right yeah absolutely and i think it's important to point out too that um, i know on like the generic side of things, when people think investing, one of the first things they think of is like the Shark Tank style right. investing. That's not right. what this is gonna be, right? So we're not going to go pitch in front of a panel of 10 people who are gonna so fight over. It actually might. Really? So like the the way it's gonna work is that you're gonna pitch, you're gonna send in your, your pitch deck and your um, business model and business financials and things like that. Right. It'll get vetted first by a team of um, student students who are trained on how to do the due diligence process and all that. And then the next stage, once it passes that muster and passes through the, the staff's sort of filter that where they think it's a good investment, then it'll be presented in front of the board, like the 
with the angels that choose to be there for the presentations and stuff. Okay. So you still Very have cool. to do an in-person pitch. Right. You know, but it's not going to be the theatrics of Shark Tank. Right. You know, Mark Cuban is not going to be one of the... <laughs> <laughs> not going to be there yelling at you or yeah. anything like that. But who knows? Who knows? There's a lot of... Very famous alums who yep. could be part of the That's Angel true. Network. That's you know? true. That's true. So. Very exciting. Yeah. Be awesome to get the Rock down here or something like that. That'd I be know. that'd be really cool. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, jumping. So off. We're not guaranteeing the Rock will be part. No, of no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote us on that. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying it'd be pretty cool. Um, so moving forward, like, what are some of your favorite ways of keeping up with the the happenings of the world? I know everybody else or everybody has their own preferences. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's related to business or not. Um, you know what. What do you like to do in that realm? So I get most of my news on tech and startups from uh, newsletters and from a few, like a handful of websites. So Hacker News, which is put out by Y Combinator, is like one of my first stops. Um, the Hustle newsletter is a great source of uh, content. Um, and then there's a handful of others. Like Tech Meme has some good filtering and stuff like that. I used to be obsessive about going to TechCrunch and all these other things on mm-hmm. a day-to-day basis, but it's a little overwhelming and like... I got to do work, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so I'd rather like let someone else filter it for me. Cause I don't need to know in the moment, right, you right. know, so newsletters end up being a great way to like Be offload concise. that, yeah. uh, that first review to someone else. You right. Know? Right. Very cool. cool. Awesome. Well, what do you do? Um, what are your best ways to continue to challenge yourself as an entrepreneur? What do I do? Yeah, what like do you do to work? challenge yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're here. You're here. We're here all yeah. all day almost. <laughs> what do you do to challenge yourself? How do you you know set the bar a little bit hard, higher, or get into an industry maybe you're not familiar with? Or so I'm a big advocate of of research. Okay. And so whenever I'm interested in an idea, and Colin can attest this because he and I float ideas past each other on a weekly basis. Yes. Um, usually my first step is. Uh, identifying who else is out Register there. Register the domain name. <laughs> <laughs> second, second, the second step is registering the domain name as my domain graveyard will attest. Um, and then I look to see sort of, you know, what are the, um, like, what are people paying for these solutions now? How are they solving the mm-hmm. solution now? Like, a lot of times there's not necessarily obvious ways for people to solve a problem now. Right. And so it's a matter of, like, what are the two or three different ways that they're cobbling together their own solution? And, um, and like, is there an elegant existing solution out there? And do I think there's enough money to be made in providing that solution? Yeah. Right. Because there's, I think, look, there's a ton of opportunity for small businesses, micro businesses and things like that. And where you only have 50 or a hundred customers, mm-hmm. you know, but it doesn't cost you very much to set it up and it doesn't cost you very much to, to run it. Right. Um, I don't know if those aren't necessarily always the types of businesses that I'm interested in, but, okay. um, so there's a lot of ideating and sort of um, in some cases, if I get past the point of like the initial prep and planning stage, then I'll do things like putting up landing pages and then spending a few dollars here and there on ads to see if there's enough conversion and demand. Mm-hmm. Um, but that usually like nine out of 10 of my ideas don't get to that stage because like I'll find some ob- something that's like obvious after doing some research, but not obvious when you have the idea occurs to you. you know? Right, right. Just a quick random question. Yeah. How many would you say, how many ideas have you pursued? Not necessarily like seen the light, but how many of those have you prodded and poked and seen? So would you say if you could put a number on it? <laughs> I showed Colin my uh, Brian's business idea list on my phone <laughs> a few months ago, and it was up to 170 ideas. What? And that's since 
Started recording here. it? That's oh. it, the last two years. Oh, I've wow. come up with like 170 different ideas. <laughs> of those, only I think 10 have I actually gone past the like initial sort of po- uh, poking prod. And then of that, like three maybe have like gone beyond that stage. Um, and so there's one that I'm like, spe- I have that I have a gut feeling could be something that I pursue like on the side. Um, but it's still at the early stages. Okay. So. Okay. All right. So what are some of your favorite and what do you think are some of the most lucrative trends right now going on um, in the entrepreneurial space that people could tap into? Um, I mean, if, it, if you're looking for like, what are some easy businesses to get into? Yeah. I mean, Vers- like, so that's the thing, right? There's things that are trends and there's things that are like, you might've already missed the trend. Right. You know? um, I think building newsletters, curating content is a, a big one. Um, explainers how to's and like i like to think of it as like focus around what's the job that someone's trying to accomplish and then clear out all the cruft right yeah uh because there's so much garbage on the internet and so much misinformation and so much um spam for lack of a better word right and i think one big opportunity is finding a niche and saying how do we make this simple for the average person to understand it and then use that as a uh, lead generator for some either product or service or a marketplace or things like that, right? right. So I'm a strong believer in uh, content market uh, content creation right. as being a good avenue, whether it's YouTube, whether it's podcasts, whether it's whatever. Um, and then I think there's a l- interesting space in um, curated uh, like Shopify stores and stuff like that, where you're targeting a very specific niche mm-hmm. of like hipster gen z mm-hmm. you know skateboard owners or something yeah. like that right right you know because now and uh, more so than ever it's easier to create a small niche uh content or uh, e-commerce mm-hmm. opportunity yeah especially like clothing or anything yeah. like that it's yeah super easy yeah but i think i one thing i have to mention on that is that i think the expectation is that when you're creating something niche you have the same possibility as like tesla or these larger groups right but the reality is that within that niche you have to be realistic about sure. the earning potential sure. within it you know that not everyone's going to adopt this for sure right because like if you i mean like take colin for example right if i <laughs> i created a uh, e-commerce store focused solely on things that he likes which are like flip-flops <laughs> sunglasses and that hoodies. you can put on the back of your head hawaiian shirt hawaiian shirt <laughs> and like fishing uh, apparel or something right you know he's probably pegged me pretty well yeah, yeah. um there might only be like ten thousand people in the country that fit that mold mm-hmm. you know um but that's the thing so like you have to understand all right well if it's ten thousand people what's my realistic ltv uh, uh, lifetime value of those customers mm-hmm. you know and not kid myself, right? That's right. not going to become a billion dollar business. But right. if I wrap together 10 or 20 of those like e-commerce stores into one, mm-hmm. then you're talking about a multi-million dollar business. Yeah. And that goes beyond that whole lifestyle or side hustle into like a healthy business and that you can uh, get economies of scale from, not necessarily on the individual product side, but on the operation side. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs don't necessarily consider whenever they're starting a business is understanding, like, where does this fit in my life? Is this something that I'm trying to lean over to say, okay, I'm going to take this on forever and this is going to sustain me? Or is this something that I'm going to do on the side while I pursue other interests or other things that I'm interested in? So right. setting the expectation. And that's two separate beasts entirely that you're going to have to, you know, kind of figure out as you're going through that process. So, yeah. um, so we got a big question for you. 
um, you know, as a uh, entrepreneurship major here at UM, um, you know, I always am bobbling this question, and I just um, have got to know, what do you think on this side of things? Can you teach entrepreneurship? As someone who has taught entrepreneurship, I think you can teach entrepreneurial frameworks and um I look at it as entrepreneurship is how do you solve problems using business? Right. I don't necessarily think you can teach someone to be an entrepreneur, but you can teach someone to think like an entrepreneur. You can teach someone how to um, solve problems the way an entrepreneur would. But there's a there's something like in your gut, right? Whether or not you're risk tolerant enough to be an entrepreneur, right? right. And so I could make you go through all the lean startup stuff. I could teach you how to. Uh, do smoke tests and landing pages and all the million little tricks and hacks and growth hacks and all that stuff. But if you don't have the risk tolerance in your in your core, there's no one no one's going to be able to teach that, right? Right. Like, and that's perfectly fine. You know, there's plenty of people who don't belong as entrepreneurs and should, you know, be will be perfectly content working at a big company where they have a stability nine to five and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, going off that, what has entrepreneurship taught you? Uh, I think uh, what the main thing entrepreneurship has taught me is like um, that there's tons of opportunities out there, right? And that, and I look at things, and when I see sort of oppor- uh, not when I see opportunities, but when I see situations, I can see the opportunities more clearly than if I hadn't been exposed to entrepreneurship all these years. Mm-hmm. You know, I see the problems, and I see the inefficiencies, and I see how people could be possibly um, profiting from it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So, what is your best or favorite books to read? Uh, in the entrepreneurship space? Yeah. Um, so, the ones that I've been recommending to a ton of people this year, uh, since you know I'm big on uh, telling people to read books. Yes, we have a startup My library, guys. If you're not familiar with it, you get familiar. We have one in our office, and then it's also duplicated in the Richter library as mm-hmm. well, too. Yeah. So, there's a curated list of about 65 books that we have in our office, and then also over in the library. So if you're an alum and you can't check books at the library, come to our office and you can yep. borrow from us. Um, so I've been pushing heavily on um, competing against luck. I've recommended that to four or five students this year. And complementary to that book is When Coffee and Kale Compete. And they're both around the jobs to be done theory. Okay. Um, and then... Now, what is that? What is the... What's jobs to be done? Yeah. So it's uh, one of the big advocates of it is this professor from Harvard Business School, Clayton Christensen. And he's a... His thesis that, um, or the thesis that he pushes, I don't know if he was the original creator of it, but he pushes that people are looking for a, a specific improvement in their life when they purchase or a product or a service, right? right? And he has a great sort of interview. Well, it's a little dry, but it's a great interview about uh, how McDonald's figured out what the job to be done was with their milkshakes. Yeah. Right? And that gives you a sort of, it, lets, it helps you reframe how you think about, you know, what product you're selling, you know? Mm-hmm. You go from thinking like, oh, well, I'm selling T-shirts to keep people from getting a sunburn or from being cold right. right? to, oh, they're looking for a status right? Right, or an image that they want to portray. It simplifies right? it. Right. And so I think those two books uh, are gr- a great starting point. It helps people think about, you know, how is it that they're positioning their, their product? Um, I also really like this book called Super Thinking about mental models. It's on my desk. Yeah, I think I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it goes through a lot of these mental models and frameworks that help people um, sort of dissect the, the situations that they're facing. And it apply, it's, it's super applicable to entrepreneurship. 
That book is dense. I've yeah. got to go through and read, <laughs> reread, yeah. and reread, and reread yeah. to understand what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that, that book is best read like five pages at a time. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a you, struggle, it's, but it's a lot of information yeah. that's really yeah. helpful. And it doesn't just apply to entrepreneurship there, too. It's yeah. a, like almost a life book. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so what's your favorite iPhone app? What do you, What is your go-to app on your phone? Um, <laughs> um, probably like Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, although I spend a ton of time playing solitaire on my phone because I'm oh, so you're an old. old man. Oh my gosh! Uh, wow. Yeah. All right. What's your uh, favorite productivity tool? Um, I use this app called Fantastical, and it brings in all my calendars together. Because if it's not on my calendar, I completely <laughs> forget about it. So you live by your calendar. Yeah. That's something I dread. Yep. I really want to get away from that. I really try to remember or like. Uh, I have a terrible memory. <laughs> I can't do that. I have to have it all written down. Or it's yeah. Right, right here. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. What about your go-to website when bored? I'll probably Hacker News. I spend too much time on there. <laughs> um, occasionally, I'll go on Facebook and troll some of my aunts and uncles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your time here at the Launchpad as we're kind of wrapping up. You know, mm-hmm. um, when did you start? How did you, you know, get involved over here? And So I started here at Launchpad summer 2017, and then I became director in December of 2017. Um, and a lot of this came about because I was a, a one of the mentors or venture coaches or yeah, venture, venture, coach. venture mentor. was what it was called no, back then, right? It was a venture coach. Venture coach, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, venture coach for years. And the previous director, Will, approached me and asked if I was interested in, you know, committing more time to this and, you know, getting paid and um, and all that. And so I said, sure. And then um, he moved on to a new job, like, immediately after I started here. And um, so I took over. Um, and now, like, for the last year, we've been in the process of sort of revamping and rethinking a lot of what we do and how we do it. How do we get the knowledge that we've got in our office? And that our student, uh, our venture consultants have, and our staff, and get in, get that into more hands, and uh, impact more entrepreneurs in our community. Yeah, I think something to add on to that is that kind of getting more feedback as far as the clients that we meet with, what are their needs, and putting those things first. I think that's something I, I would have to say. Brian has been a big advocate of, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy that because it makes it a lot easier, you know, for us yeah. to kind of know what do we need to spend our energy on. Right. Uh, so I'm a huge advocate of uh, or proponent of like data-driven designs mm-hmm. or data-driven decisions <laughs> um, because so much of the stuff is we do, we, we only observe so much of what's going on yeah, uh, easily. And like a lot of stuff just sort of floats on past us. Yeah. And so until we like pause, reflect and analyze, it's hard for us to decide what do we need to manage? What do we need to change? Yeah. How, what can we improve? Right. And I think one of the things we've noticed in the last year, since we've changed things up a little bit, we're seeing more repeat visitors. Yeah. Definitely so, so. So more of our clients are coming back for more than one or two uh, uh, meetings. meetings. Yeah. And so I think hopefully that translates into showing showcasing that, you know, this is a being more effective. Right? Yeah, definitely so. So you mentioned our mentorship program here. Mm-hmm. So do you have any mentors or, invi- or advisors that you um, look up to now or, you know, who are your resources and who do you go to when you have a problem that you don't know the answer to? So I go to Colin. <laughs> <laughs> He's, sure, he's my life coach. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I go by what would Colin not do? <laughs> that, that's uh, tattooed on my uh, arm. Look at it every day, yep. every morning. Um, no, that's one area where I've uh, always been sort of deficient. I think that's like it's been tough for me because I've always been 
put into the role of mentoring others. Right. You know, so it's very hard for a mentor to find their own mentor. Right. Yeah. And um, it's often hard for entrepreneurs to like connect with other peers. And um, and it's uh, one thing that I think I wish I had done a better job of over the last 15, 20 years is bring in better or bring in any mentors. Right. Right. Because a lot of times it's I'm asking for advice after the fact when I should have been asking for the advice prior, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think there's a, this concept of like personal board of advisors that I think everybody should start thinking about. Like, yeah, who's I your definitely th- have a couple of those. Yeah. Like who's your trusted team? Who's like going to bat for you? Who's on mm. your bench, you know? And like, and you need different types of those people, yeah, right? Diversifying you need, them. You need it's business, huge. you need personal, emotional, whatever, mm. right? Yeah. Physical, like, um, and I think that's something that I should probably do something about. And like, you're not perfect. What? What? <laughs> Come on. I Bur- thought that was the intro to this. <laughs> 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 oh. All right. So with that, would you like to plug your social media? How can people get in contact with you? How um, can they connect with you? So the only social media that I'm very active on these days, uh, I post on Twitter a bunch. Um, so it's at Brian Breslin. Um, and then I post pictures of my things I cook and places <laughs> I go on Instagram, at, which is also at Brian Breslin. And then I have a blog, which I haven't updated in three years. Uh, <laughs> Same. Nice. Same. Which is uh, brianbreslin.com. And every few months I tell myself, oh, I should start writing content yes. again. You know, blah, blah, blah. I have so much to say. And then I'm like, oh, I can't write more than a paragraph about anything. <laughs> I so. might as well just write this on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. <laughs> and if anybody wants to, to reach out to you, if they have any questions or anything like that, um, what's the best way to do that? Just um, through the Launchpad? Yeah, through the Launchpad. Awesome. You know. Very cool. All right. So with that, that wraps up our interview today. So I wanted to thank Brian again thank um, for Brian. coming on. We really enjoyed having you. Yes. Um, I want to remind you guys again to follow us on Twitter at the Launchpad, on Instagram at the Launchpad UM, and find us on Facebook just the Launchpad. Um, just a reminder, we are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. But spread um, the word. Yes, yeah, so spread the word. We'd love to have uh, more listeners. And uh, we really need you guys to rate and review, though, on Apple Podcasts. Um, this is the biggest podcasting platform right now. Um, and if we can move up in the rankings over there, that'll help us the most at this time. Um, it'll help us to grow our listenership and our realm here. Um, we want to remind everybody to go ahead and subscribe. Um, that'll keep you updated on all of our episodes. And um, hopefully we'll be having some more exciting um, guests and some more content coming up for you guys um, in the uh, next few weeks or so. Um, this next week is Thanksgiving break, so yep. um, I'll be out of here. Sam may or may not be getting something out to you guys a little bit later, so we'll see. Um, but keep your ear to the ground for our next episode, and we will see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Deuces.